0: Hey, everyone, it's Tony from Lockdown Wild. You're about to listen to a conversation I got to have with Justin Morissette of Sportsnet and Lockdown Canucks. We got to talk about all things Canucks, uh, the 2003 series, uh, the Canucks rivalry, Judd Brackett, the head of scouting for Minnesota right now, who used to be in Vancouver, as well as this upcoming series. It was a great time. Total blast. You're going to love it. But first, I want to mention our sponsor, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them LockDown sent you.
1: We are just two short days away from the beginning of the qualifying round of the NHL playoffs, the Canucks squaring off against the Minnesota Wild. I almost said their old rival, the Minnesota Wild, but we'll talk about whether there's a rivalry here or not. I am joined to preview this series by Tony Abbott, uh, who has... Uh, you know covered the Minnesota Wild for Zone coverage Minnesota and is also one of the hosts of locked on Wild Tony, uh, thanks for talking to me today.
0: Hey, Justin, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on.
1: No problem man. Um, I don't know what the vibe has been over the last couple weeks or I guess last couple months uh, in the Minnesota area as fans look ahead to uh, to this series, but has there been a lot of uh, reminiscing about 2003? <laughs> In your parts, because that has certainly been a hot topic uh, in Vancouver over the last little while. Though I guess there's probably more hard feelings up here, given that uh, (laughs) we came out on the losing end of that series.
0: Some, right? Because, like, if you're looking at uh, at great successes in in Minnesota Wild history, it's uh, it's it's signing Zach Parise and Ryan Suter that one day, and also uh, that series, and, and and that's that's you know just about it. That was about Minnesota's only to the conference finals i know there was a big uh piece on uh, on the athletic that michael russo wrote about uh the 2003 series i haven't heard that much about it at least uh, most of the wild fans that i interact with um like it it's starting to feel like the uh the twitter like minnesota wild twitter is is getting younger like there there's still like some old people like me or like people who are 30 who are like uh, by default the old people on, on wild twitter um so like i i ended up uh, talking a little bit about uh, vancouver uh this week on lockdown wild with uh with someone else who has a wild podcast and uh and one of uh or yeah sorry there were two people and one of them was like yeah like i'm like 18 like so it's like oh you would have been like three when this happened or something <laughs> Not like
1: that even one like Might not have even turned one at that point, because we were talking about a series uh, that was 17 years ago. And that is insane, Tony. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that, making me feel insanely old. Uh, But it is funny, because I feel like if you went back probably 15 years or so, around the time of that series and in the years after it... I got the impression that Minnesota hockey fans probably would have considered Vancouver one of, if not, their top rivals because this was a team that was playing in the Northwest division. They were facing each other between six and eight times a year, depending on the season. Uh, So it would have made a ton of sense for, uh, you know, both fan bases to consider this a rivalry. But I also think at the time anyways, that it came across very one-sided. That Vancouver, uh, you know, thought of themselves as, you know, a, a, a rhinoceros, and the wild were just like flies uh, batting <laughs> around their head. Basically, you don't concern yourself uh, with uh, with something on that level necessarily. But I do feel like that's hubris on the part of Vancouver fans because as we approach this series, 17 years later, Tony, I have to feel like I actually do kind of hate Minnesota. <laughs>
0: Well like when when the flies do beat you, right? You get really mad about that. Like when you're when you're like having a nice night out uh outside like on I do not I I don't I I don't know if you guys have mosquitoes out in Vancouver, but in Minnesota we certainly do. And when you're out there and mosquitoes ruin your night, it's just like I hate you so much. <laughs> and I feel like there there should have been at least a little bit of that dynamic after 2003, but I I do think that uh it got uh it, it stayed pretty hot in Vancouver, uh even after like Todd Bertuzzi left to become a criminal. And uh <laughs> and uh and, and such uh cause uh I, I remember very distinctly the uh, the season where uh Matias Olhan snapped Miko Koivu's leg in half. That was a real big moment. Uh there was a lot of hate for Roberta Luongo before he like rebranded himself as like a beloved old guy. Um, and, and Minnesota fans would, uh, would take a lot of delight in Minnesota inexplicably owning him whenever he would come to the XL Energy Center. So, like, there's, there's a lot of, like, Vancouver memories, like, stuck in the, uh, in the collective fan base of, of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, unless, of course, you were, like, one.
1: Uh, well... I'm glad you mentioned the Matias Oland Miko Koivu incident, and I do want to circle back to that before uh, we wrap up here today, Tony. But at the same time, I have to focus in on your Bertuzzi comment there, because I get the feeling uh, that in the entire lifespan of the Minnesota Wild as a franchise, Todd Bertuzzi might be like the biggest villain in the history of that team. Ooh, he is up there because you know a lot of the
0: a lot of the people who own the Wild historically are generally seen as like really good people. Joe Sakic, Jerome Againla, like nobody has anything bad to say about Sakic or Againla except that he scored too much on Minnesota. Uh, I'm trying to think. There there has to be there has to be there was a lot of Matt Cook hate even when Matt Cook was on the team. Uh, that uh, that might be up there, but. Uh, yeah, I th- I think the uh, honestly the, the the biggest villain in Minnesota wild history now that I think about it is uh is Norm Green for moving the North Stars and foisting the wild on on Minnesota in the first place indirectly but yeah, Bertuzzi as, as a player I think uh I think when that was hot, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, that he was probably yeah, public enemy number 1 in Minnesota.
1: And the funny thing about that is when I've gone back and revisited that uh, that chapter, which I don't like to do because as we mentioned earlier, yes, we, the Canucks did get defeated, and that Game 7 in particular is probably one of the more notable heartbreaks in Canucks history, which Tony, I tell you, for a franchise that's lost Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final twice, <laughs> that is a real statement to be like, yeah, losing Game 7 of uh, of Round 2 against Minnesota is a very notable uh, historic heartbreak for this franchise. But as I go back and revisit that and, and do a little dig to try and kind of jog my own memory given that it's been 17 years the funniest part of that whole episode is that that's not a comment that Bertuzzi made in like post-game press conferences or to the media at all, he was literally walking outside the rink I think to like the team bus after a game and just saw fans crowded around like the ticket booth and, and he yelled directly at fans like uh the fact that this was even reported at all that this made it back to the media i don't know if there were reporters who witnessed it or if it was fans bringing it but regardless uh, a very fascinating incident i think in the, in the history of both clubs
0: it's it's true wrestling villain stuff it, it it really owns it's a great it's a great thing it's a great story
1: yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, he looks back on that, perhaps, and and possibly regrets giving them uh, bulletin board material. But speaking of bulletin board material, Tony, uh, you got some this week, perhaps. <laughs> from Antoine Roussel. Antoine Roussel guested uh, on the program uh, on Sportsnet 650. I was working on the show that day as well. uh, Brought him onto the show, I did. Uh, And he talked about the fact that uh, he just thinks Vancouver is better at every key position. I don't know that his logic is entirely sound, especially when he's including guys like Jay Beagle in ways that the Canucks are superior. But that quote, seemingly just on Twitter anyways... Uh, from my impression, made a big splash with Minnesota fans. How much talk has there been around uh, Antoine Roussel and his comments uh, in your neck of the woods these days, this week?
0: I think it was mostly, like, derision. Like, oh, like, are you, like, are you, like... There, there, are, there are people who are like, how can you say that Chris Tanev is better defensively than Jonas Brodeen? But, like, I, I think it, it's been met largely with uh, with the appropriate amount of derision. I think I tweeted out, like... We have the best draft bust in Jake Vertanen, we have the best six seven <laughs> pylon in Tyler Myers. We have the best six million dollar black hole in Louis Erickson. I mean,
1: not wrong on all counts there.
0: <laughs> I mean, they, like you, you sometimes you have to tip your cap to your opponent, and and they do. Like I can't, yeah. I can't say
1: otherwise. <laughs> Well, Wes Walls, I feel like, was the guy who brought that to the fore by quote-tweeting it just with the eyes emoji, and I don't know like, uh, if that's going to fire up Minnesota as a team necessarily and give the actual uh, players uh, bulletin board material or extra motivation. It just seems sort of like a fun fan thing. I did see a lot of people getting mad about it, though, and and definitely expecting that the Wild are going to roll over the Canucks in this series, which is typical of fans to always be the most optimistic about what their team is going to do at any time. But what is the expectation around Minnesota this season? Because, Tony, I have to tell you, this is not a team that I know very well this season. This is a club where, uh, you know, when the Paul Fenton reporting was coming out via The Athletic last summer, which was hilarious Uh, i just sort of even though fenton wasn't even there anymore and had been replaced it just felt like this is a team that's going to take years to recover from the damage that this moron inflicted on them essentially (laughs) and yet i mean it's hard to say you guys made the playoffs this year because the the whole situation with play ins and all the teams that qualify is a little bit wacky and out of the uh, ordinary. But, like, what is the expectation in Minnesota? Is this kind of just a found money season where you're happy to be here? Or do fans actually think that this is a team that can go on a bit of a run at the moment?
0: I I don't know if anyone thinks that, you know, they can, like, go on a run. I don't think it's impossible for them to. to... You know, maybe like luck into the, to a conference final, depending on their matchup in in like rounds one and two. Um, but I I think that um, I, I don't think that anyone's really expecting much more than this team to uh, to advance to the first round of the playoffs. And uh, like I, I guess there's kind of a divide. There's like people who are like really optimistic about this team uh, with uh, with Kevin Fiala's breakout in the second half. I mean my. Uh, it's like it, it's like if all of a sudden like one of your like you know like decent top six wingers from like three years back turned into Elias Patterson for a month or two, like <laughs> it it was that kind of revelation. And, and then you haven't even like you know Minnesota didn't have like their own version of like. Or they didn't have, like, their sedines or anybody who was, like, high-end before that. So, like, imagine going 10 years without seeing someone like that. And then all of a sudden, like, Kevin Fiala turns into that kind of player for two months. Like, um, I, I think that's given people a lot of optimism that they wouldn't have otherwise. I think there are also a lot of people who are like, oh, ah, yeah. like, they're going to, you know, they they're they're going to they're gonna beat Vancouver... And, uh, and then, uh, lose out on a chance at Alexis Lafreniere. Like there are a lot of like tank for, uh, Lafreniere people too here who are maybe like resigned to the fact that Minnesota could win in the first ra- uh, in this opening round. So I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's either optimism or pessimism Pure defeatism. about, yeah, I guess pessimism about like even a small victory that, uh, they might see as inevitable. We're about to dive back in to the Minnesota-Vancouver series of uh, of past and present. But first, I want to quickly chat with you about RockAuto.com. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but I used to be a delivery guy. And as I was delivering things in my car, it took a beating. The one thing that I can remember the most was this time where I backed up into a trash can and then uh, just like let my mirror be broken for a year and then broke the other one <laughs> somehow. I can't remember how I broke the other one. Uh, and I did not fix it for a long time. And the reason why is because as a as a car dummy, right? I don't know where to get these things. If I had known about rockauto.com, I would have known that I could go to rockauto.com and get the best parts for the best prices of any make and model. And then I could have had those parts shipped to my house. And I could have just uh, put them on because I knew that I was... I would know that I was getting quality. I would know that I was getting the best parts available at a fair and reasonable price. And I would not have driven with broken mirrors for several years. If you want to avoid driving with broken mirrors for several years or anything else that needs to be fixed with your car that you're like, I cannot go to the car store, don't go to the car store. Go to rockauto.com, look for whatever you need for your car, get it shipped directly to your house. And if you type in the promo code "locked on," they'll uh, they'll hook you up real nice. That's RockAuto.com.
1: Well, that's funny that this would be uh, you know uh, two fan bases that perhaps view each other as rivals because it sounds like we have a lot in common actually, Tony. Because there's a divide here, or at least a belief in uh, quote unquote Canuck luck." that the most Canuck thing that could possibly happen is that uh, the team beats the Wild in the qualifying round, goes into the playoffs, maybe wins a round, maybe gets knocked out in the first, depending on who they draw, and that the Wild, especially with Judd Brackett now helming your amateur department, are just going to immediately win that lottery and walk away with Alexi Lafreniere, because that seems like the most Canuck thing that could possibly happen just given the way we have been cursed over the years. And it is funny, actually, to hear you say that uh, Minnesota fans have uh, similar, just kind of chicken little expectations of uh, whatever can possibly go wrong will because that's tended to be the way it has gone.
0: I, I did want to ask about Bracket. Like, what did you think about that? And, and, and like, do, is how much do... Uh, you get the sense that Vancouver's losing from Judd Brackett and, and by extension, how much the Wild's gaining because uh, I'm excited to to see this team make gains in the scouting department.
1: Huge, man. Absolutely huge. Uh, I was very disappointed to see the way this played out from the Canucks' perspective, especially given that It seems entirely politically motivated uh, that there are other people in the organization who perhaps hold more powerful positions than John did uh, that wanted to kind of push him out of the way and take over the responsibilities of the things that he was doing, Uh, which is very disappointing when those people are John Weisbrot and you look at uh, the record that Weisbrot had with Calgary when he was running the drafting there and did not produce a single uh, NHL player, basically, uh, in most of the the top picks that they reached on. E- and even, you know, Weisbrot was responsible for the Aginla trade as well, which brought back zero NHL players for the Flames, too. Cool, so cool. <laughs> uh, amateur scouting is really not a, a forte of this guy, even though he really wants to do it. And in bracket, you have basically the best scout in the history of the franchise the canucks have historically been terrible at drafting for 50 years now and this guy came in and was able to uh you know unearth some quality players later in the first round brock besser definitely a judd bracket uh uh player that he scouted and would have made the case to jim to uh, to draft back when brock was drafted And beyond that, being able to find players in rounds three, four, five, which, you know, shouldn't be out of the ordinary, Tony. Every single NHL player or NHL team should be, uh, you know, just as a law of averages over four or five years, you know, unearthing some players in the later rounds that wound up being NHL guys. For the Canucks, it just never seemed to happen. So, you know, we had a good stretch of competent drafts that, You know, even if the players didn't turn out, you couldn't uh, impugn the process, if that makes sense, because you've seen historically Vancouver over the last 50 years tend to just waste picks on the type of players that you can get for free on waivers in this league every single week. Guys who at their high end top ceiling potential are going to be 13th forwards or 7th defenseman or fighters even like. There's no sense in drafting those guys. And when Brackett was running the draft here, the team went for skill in pretty much every single round, which you know, fans loved and felt very encouraged by. he just had tremendous success here uh, in terms of the players that they uh, were able to unearth, not just the guys that they picked. High in the first round, but uh, but later on as well, I'm really gonna miss him, and I do think that Wild fans should be very excited about the future uh, of the amateur side having uh, having acquired him. You've already picked up a big victory over the Canucks before the series even starts.
0: <laughs> I like the idea that the uh, the best scout in the NHL is just like the one guy who's like, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe the punching thing doesn't matter that much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, pretty much. And there's, unfortunately, all too few scouts uh, who think that way, unfortunately. But let's get back to uh, Minnesota as a as a team this year. Um, it was funny listening to you describe Kevin Fiala because he is probably the best player that Wild fans have seen uh, since Marion Gavarick departed. Because, like, even Zach Parisi, who was obviously highly touted when you guys signed him— Uh, has not really had the same success in Minnesota that he did in New Jersey prior to signing that enormous contract.
0: A lot of that's injury related though like when you look at his uh, like per game goal averages uh, he usually hovers around like 30 goals on an 82 game pace so I I think that injuries have have taken a lot away from him but like I can also understand like you know I think when uh when Parise was in, in New Jersey, right? He was regularly putting up like eighty point, ninety point seasons. And he's not doing that now, which, you know, to be expected, but uh I, I will say that uh I, I think Parise is a is a very, 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 very good player. Um I, I do not think that he you know I, I think that people hoped that he would touch that greatness that Marion Gabrick was able to uh to live in. Uh and uh and he probably fell short of that i would say that kevin fiala is probably the closest person to to get to that but at the same time like we're only like two months into it and you definitely have to see more but you know when you see anything like that from a 23 year old player you're just like wow this is this is going to be a real good decade for us
1: yeah, and one uh, Paul Fenton move that maybe did not go terribly in the end after all, right? I'm
0: trying to think of the other one. And... Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? You know what, though? I, I, I will say, like, I would I would much rather have... Like, it's better to Burton out than fade away, right? I would much rather have a epically bad GM like Paul Fenton just, like, really trashed the place in a year than have... And I, I mean this... Uh, hoping that you feel the same way and that I'm not causing any offense, but uh, Jim Benning to just, like, hang out for six years.
1: Oh, yeah, with no end in sight. Like, it really feels like this guy's going to be in charge of the team for more than a decade by the time it's all said and done, and the team will probably have accomplished absolutely nothing of note during that time. Which blows Uh, my
0: mind. He is on tape. He is on tape in the Boston uh, Bruins front office uh as they're making the Tyler Sagan trade being like yeah he's not a boston guy
1: <laughs> yeah that should be a career just, ender it, yeah it's uh it's not it's not great man i'm i'm not a jim benning fan by any stretch of the imagination and if uh if you know getting swept by the wild here uh would create a situation where the team had no choice but perhaps to clean house a little bit i can't say i would uh, entirely complain about that Uh, especially if you're going to get a shot at Alexi Lafreniere out of it as well. Like, how can you not kind of want that on some level? But um, it's funny to hear you say that, like, Fiala was such a revelation and that, you know, you you haven't seen something like that again or or in a very long time in more than a decade. And, yes, that's at a very high level. But I look at the the roster that the Wild are bringing into this play-in series, and up front anyways, on the back end as well, you know, obviously the team might be a bit lacking in net. Uh, But this is a club with Depth, I think, is certainly uh, at the forward position. You know, I, I'm not sure because maybe, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Because as I said, this is not a club I'm all too familiar with, and it drives me insane when I hear NHL analysts at the national level talk about the Canucks as having uh, tremendous depth. Because well, you look at their fourth line, and and Brandon Sutter is a fourth line <laughs> winger. Brandon Sutter, a fourth line winger. Can you believe that the team must have outstanding. Depth, And it's like, no, actually, Brandon Sutter sucks. And that's why he's playing there. The team would be even better if he just didn't exist at all. Uh, but I'm looking at this wild forward group and Miko Koivu is your fourth line center, which seems great. But then a part of me is like, wait a second, what's my most notable Miko Koivu memory? And It's the <laughs> Matias Owenslash slash that you brought up earlier, which I'm pretty sure is from 12, if not 13 years ago. Uh, so, you know, is is this just a guy that I have built up uh, in my mind as, you know, memories of a decade ago? Is Miko Koivu still a guy who's got some juice and, and this team is as Deep up front as it looks as it is on paper.
0: I I think it is as deep as it looks on paper uh, to you because uh, like I'm looking up and down the the lineup and I think Luke Cunning was the only guy who was negative war, according to evolving hockey's metrics and you don't really see teams that have like one player who like you could easily like you know switch someone else off the roster and and you know see like an improvement from right usually there there are a couple of guys maybe uh for like weaker teams like um a handful right where it's like oh like this is a guy in a key spot and he's not very good and uh, Minnesota doesn't really have that they uh, other than Fiala right they don't have somebody who can take over a game right it, 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 so it'll be interesting to see them match up against a team like Vancouver who has you know a, a handful of those guys and at least to my to to my view right not much else i'd i'd be interested in hearing what you had to say after i was done um but you know that that blue line has a lot of depth um and they're uh forwards also like ryan donato i keep thinking about ryan donato who was i think he was top 10 in goals per hour at five on five this year and he can't get 11 minutes a game in this lineup like it, it is it is that level of depth um Maybe maybe a little bit weaker at some key positions like center. Um, it's not great past Eric Stahl. Like Joel Eriksen X, a really good defensive center. He'll probably be playing second line minutes, and then um, and then uh, Alex Galchenyuk is uh is maybe a mixed bag in his NHL career so far. Was um, oh, he
1: still there? I thought he got traded somehow during the pandemic again. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Nope, still, uh, still here, still here. Uh, he's in Edmonton now, but so is everyone else. Um, so like maybe, at, maybe at center, you you look at that, and of course, the net, right? In in net is is the real Achilles heel. Of the Wild, but you can see the bones of a really good team in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I feel like the wild are kind of like maybe the Carolina of the Western Conference, in that like. Even their good players get slept on a little bit because no one is really going out of their way to watch Minnesota games unless their team is playing against them on a given night. Uh, Because, like you know, like Matt Dumba is an incredible defenseman, and I don't know that we necessarily give him the credit that he deserves. Uh, You know, and there's probably a a couple of defensemen on the Minnesota back end uh, that that don't get the credit at the national level, the attention that they might deserve.
0: I think it's evolving wild uh, who once said, you don't hate the wild because you, they're boring. You hate the wild because they make your favorite players boring. <laughs> and, and I think that there's a lot of truth in that, like that uh, that blue line is, is really uh, underrated. I, I think Jared Spurgeon's finally getting some of the attention that he deserves. Um, but like, usually, you know, you look at Ryan Souter and he gets a lot of attention deservedly. So, uh, he's been he's been great for them for eight years now. Um, but like, Jared Spurgeon does everything and is so good at it. Uh, Jonas Brodine is is probably the best defensive defenseman in the game. Um, uh, assuming that uh, Nick Yalmerson, uh, has like fallen off. Like, obviously, I think he was the king when he was when he was good. Uh, Matt Dumba has just an amazing shot from the point. Um, For a lot of this year, he he was dealing with the, I guess, after effects of, uh, of a pectoral muscle tear that uh, kept him out for like 50 games last season. And like, I I think that, um, I think that getting his shot back or getting confidence enough to let it rip uh, is, is something that gave him like a little bit of trouble this year. But Assuming he's healthy, that that's a really scary weapon as well. And then um Carson Susi and Brad Hunt on third pair, they're not bad. Uh, I I don't think. Carson Susi can skate. He's six five. Um he's shown more hands this year than he ever has. Brad
1: Hunt is,
0: you know. A, a good s-
1: Vancouver kid.
0: Yeah, is he? I didn't know yeah, that. He's
1: from uh I believe uh Pitt Meadows, somewhere out in the valley, something like that. Alright. So you're from, you, from the Vancouver area.
0: And he's uh he's just you know a fine, solid defenseman. Like you can you can have him in your third pair and and not lose too much sleep over it. So I, I, I think there is a lot of depth there.
1: Um, it, it was funny though to hear you talk about uh, you know Vancouver maybe not being able to match the depth up front. I do think this is a very deep Vancouver team, certainly up front, and certainly after a long layoff where everyone, uh, save for Josh Levo, is coming back healthy right now. Because this is you know the one thing that Vancouver fans never get to see ever is like a fully healthy team that is not missing at least some key pieces at some position, especially on the back end. Chris Tanev is almost always injured and it's actually funny this year Chris Tanev wound up managing to suffer a terrible injury in the very last game before the the stoppage so he played a full season this year while also (laughs) suffering a significant injury and is coming back uh, completely refreshed. But I do think this is a Vancouver team with a lot of depth up front. Um, you know, you, you were joking about Jake Virtanen being the biggest draft bust between both teams, which maybe is not uh, entirely wrong. But Jake Virtanen is still a guy who was basically going to put up 40 points and 20 goals this year. And as you look at this forward group, there are other reasons that contribute as to why he's not in the lineup. It's a lot of personality issues and uh, maybe not uh, taking things seriously enough, maybe not coming into camp in proper condition. Uh, he did get chewed out publicly by Bo Horvat on the ice uh, oh, during damn. a scrimmage game. Uh, the captain of the Canucks yelling uh, some some very strong obscenities at Jake Vertanen during a, one of the scrimmages during camp here. But Jake Vertanen is still a, a, a useful NHL contributor. Whether he's a good player or not is a different argument, but he can be useful. And he is currently this team's 15th forward. If Josh Levo were healthy, 16th forward, which is pretty astonishing for a guy who nearly scored 20 goals. I don't entirely like Vancouver's fourth line, uh, but they do have three lines up front that can all contribute uh, as far as scoring goes, and a top six that might be one of the best in the history of the franchise, honestly. I'm very excited to see what this group can do. It's tough to get excited, though, because... It's a five-game series. You could be swept in three if things go really sideways for you, and who knows how long it's going to take for these teams to kind of uh, click into gear, because I don't know how the Wild fared in their lone tune-up action, Tony, but uh, Vancouver certainly left uh, something to be desired in their exhibition contest against Winnipeg, and you don't have a lot of time to really figure stuff out at the moment.
0: Minnesota did great. They went one for eight on their power play. We loved it. Uh, I, <laughs> I was excited to talk to you because I, 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 you know, obviously I know JT Miller. I know uh, Besser. I know Patterson. I know Tofoli. You know, those guys who are, who are your top guys, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know much else about Vancouver. Uh, obviously, they're not in the division, right? So you play two, three times a season and you don't get to see them that much. Uh, who am I sleeping on?
1: I think Tanner Pearson gets slept on by even people in this market. This is a guy who was on pace to put up more than 60 points this season, which if you look at last year's uh, scoring race, puts him in the top 90 players in the league, um, which, you know, makes him a first line Scorer, essentially. A a fringe first liner, but certainly if you're going to be in the top 90 in league scoring, you are a first line scorer. And this is a guy who's like their number six forward, uh, but plays very, very well uh, with Bo Horvat in particular. So uh, that's a guy who gets slept on. I don't know, man. I'm really excited to see what Brock. Besser is going to do here because he seems to always be very inspired to play against the Wild for I think obvious reasons. He's also, uh, you know, um, th- there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in the year that he has had and and his father's health situation and so on, etc. And there's a number of cases like that I guess up and down the Vancouver lineup. A number of guys who lost their fathers uh, even just during the pandemic stoppage. Adam Godet, Troy Stetscher, Jacob Markstrom lost his father not long before that. Uh, guys have a lot of emotional reasons to want to do very, very well, and they're able to channel those emotions into strong play. That's certainly been the story of Markstrom's season all year long. Uh, but I'm kind of excited because Brock... Brock has been in a kind of a lightning rod in terms of uh, controversial discussion in the city this year where people are kind of down on him because he's not necessarily scoring at the same rate that he did. Uh, in years past, people kind of wondering if his shot is... Uh, been altered by uh, numerous wrist surgeries over the course of the last couple seasons here but he's also a guy where if you look at the process everything that he's doing is fantastic and he's a much better all around player right now this season than he was in years previous and he was still on pace to put up a pretty good point clip all things considered so the idea that anyone in this city has been down on the year that he's had is kind of funny but he does strike me as somebody who is poised to pop off in the playoffs right now and the fact that he's back with Bo Horvat and has been knocked off of that top line by Tyler Toffoli, I mean, it just gives this team added depth. I'm really excited to see what they do up front. And another guy that you might be sleeping on is Michael Furland, who, who uh, is also being slept on by Vancouver fans because we just haven't seen him barely at all this year. He had a very difficult uh, season with illnesses and uh, concussions, and concussions have obviously been a huge thing for him in the past. But he had like a stomach virus in training camp, lost a lot of weight, uh, you know, had to put it back on, was very, very sick in the early going of this season. So he kind of was uh, on the wrong foot from the get go. But he's coming back healthy. And look, obviously one bad hit in game one could not put him right back on the shelf again. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy who was brought in to be a top six forward when he was signed. Uh, you know, was uh, being penciled in as a Elias Pedersen line mate, perhaps. He's playing on the third line right now with Antoine Roussel and Adam Gaudet. And that is a line that has some good peskiness, but also some good offensive punch. The number one knock on Furland over the course of his entire career is that as a scorer, he's very streaky. His goals and points tend to come in bunches. But if that happened right now, that wouldn't be a knock. That would be the greatest thing you yeah, could right. possibly do. So I always, uh, I, 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 know, I never liked people who too. are like,
0: "Oh, you're you're too streaky." Ah, oh, man, he's he's just too good sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, it's that it's not consistent enough, I guess. Right? Like you'd want a guy. To have offense more spread over the course of the year instead of just being hot for a couple weeks, but no, you're not wrong necessarily. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of question marks on this Vancouver team, but a lot of reasons to be I think optimistic as well.
0: I uh, I I think that my listeners would uh, would kill me if I didn't make this pitch, so I'm gonna make it now. I'm very sorry, but uh, if 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 Vancouver is looking to get Brock Besser off their hands. I do know a team of eighteen thousand one that will uh, that will gladly take him.
1: <laughs> well, you know, if if they if they do have to make that move, it will be to acquire uh, a high end defenseman. So if you're willing to part perhaps with a Matt Dumbo, we can see what we can do here. Perhaps.
0: Uh, I, I think that there are people who would probably make that move. So maybe that is something to watch over the summer. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just hope that Jim Benning is not one of those people, but we'll see. <laughs> uh before we wrap up here Tony, I need to get uh a series prediction from you even though it's entirely useless and we're definitely going to be wrong. How do you feel that this series is going to go?
0: Uh man, that's not a lot of confidence. I I'm going to I'm going to go with Vancouver and 4 and uh I I'm doing this I I, I really struggled with uh with what I was going to do cuz like you know, I, I I do think Minnesota has a lot of depth, especially on their blue line, and uh, and even up front, and uh, and I I think that that is something that can win a series. But also, I'm just looking at you know Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, J.T. Miller, those uh, high end scores up front, and and they can make you know not dangerous shot locations very dangerous shots by how skilled they are. And if there's one thing that uh, Minnesota's goalies are, are bad at is stopping
1: dangerous shots.
0: Uh, and, and, I, and I think that uh, Vancouver is going to overwhelm those goalies.
1: Uh, well, I'm also going to go with Vancouver, but I, I'm going to say this goes the full five. For a Ooh. lot of those scorers that you just talked about being frightened of, uh, this will be their first playoff uh, exposure in the National Hockey League and I do think they're going to do well, but I also think there might be a little bit of an acclimation period here. So uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna take five games for Vancouver to really find their feet and come alive and, and come away with the victory here. But uh, Wild fans, not to worry. You will very much enjoy Alexi Lafreniere. So don't don't uh, get too upset about being knocked out. <laughs> it's gonna happen. If the Canucks knock them out with Judd Brackett there, it's gonna happen for you guys. You're gonna win the lottery. You but know what, I will, I will Canucks gladly five, ride
0: vancouver cursedness to my happiness
1: like that <laughs> yeah. i'm okay with that having predicted canucks in five i'm sure the wild will now win in four but you know this is the nature of predictions <laughs> <laughs> tony uh thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this series with me man i'm sure we will catch up again after it's over or perhaps even while it's in progress but uh, if people want to hear more from you and your minnesota wild coverage where can they find that
0: they can find me on Twitter at oh Hi Tony. They can also find my work at zonecoverage.com wild.
1: All right, man. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today and uh, enjoy the series. I know I am. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, it, it will. Uh, same to you.